You're listening to the Inglewood College Podcast. Inglewood College is a ministry of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We believe that just because this season is temporary doesn't mean it can't be deeply transformative. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. All right, so this semester, we're starting off with a series on what I'm sure is probably the most well-known psalm in the Bible, Psalm 23. So we're just going to call this series The Shepherd, and we're going to walk through one verse at a time. Okay, this is different than how some of you have experienced being here. Uh, Sometimes we go through large chunks of Scripture, and we're just running through it. And it's customary here to stand up for the reading of God's Word. Uh, but when it's one verse, what are you going to do, right? Uh, so I could have you stand up. Feel free to stand up if you want to. It's going to take me about 10 seconds to read this. Uh, our one verse for the night, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So we're going to start tonight off with the idea of want. The idea of want. The word often translated into want really just kind of has a meaning of lacking nothing. And so you really, you could, you could kind of say it like, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not lack anything. Or the Lord is my shepherd, so I don't lack anything. So if I belong to God and then I don't lack anything, then I won't be left wanting. But that's not exactly our experience all the time. Y'all ever still sense some want? Am I the only one who still feels a little bit of want sometimes for things? And so when we read this, we go, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, it doesn't seem to make sense with my experienced reality. And so we need to try to answer some questions and think about this a little bit. What does it mean for the Lord to be my shepherd and for me not to want? And I think it's worth thinking about this. Like, what is it that we really want? What is it that we typically want? And honestly, just sit there for a second. Just sit there for a second in your own mind and consider what it is that you really want. I'll wait. And then maybe even go beyond the stuff that you want and think to yourself, what is is it that I'm really after? What's the desire behind the desire? I think that's the the part we don't think about as much. A lot of times we, we know kind of some of the things that we want, but I don't know that we always know why we want it. Like what motivation is causing me to chase after the things that I do? And I think we have a hard time articulating that, like what's really going on behind, you know, beyond the surface. Because we know we want to do well, right? We don't want to succeed. We want to, you know, we don't want to lack. We want to have everything that we need. We want to do well in our schoolwork or in our work. Work. We want to do, uh, we want to have a good reputation. You know, a lot of us want to get married and have a family. And you may have some kind of picture of what you want life to be like. And so in your mind, you could go, what is it that I really want? You could start asking yourself the question of like, what do I want my life to be like? And if you start answering those questions, you know, I'm sure you can come up with some answers, right? We want that difficult situation in life to be worked out, to not to have to deal with whatever it is that we don't want to deal with. You know, we have maybe have an idea of what it is that we want life to be like, both now and in the future. At the very least, we could come up with a list of a few things even if it were a short list, but what is the heart desire that's behind those more general wants? And that's what might escape us. Here's what I think. 
Okay, this is my opinion, right? But I think most of our wants come down to a desire for a few things. Okay, I think it's either for safety, rest, provision, love, acceptance, community, and hope. You know, I could probably add to that list. If I really sat and thought for a while, I could probably add to that list some things uh, that are behind other desires. But man, those, I feel like they're there. A lot of the things that, a lot of the real desire, deep down want that's below some of the things that we know we want that are recognizable to us are some of the things like that, safety and, and rest and provision and like to know that we're provided for, to have love and acceptance of community and hope and maybe even the hope that we'll be better. Like hope that, hope for me personally that I'll be better or that I'll be enough. And I think that sits down there behind these other desires and how we go about trying to get after those things that we want for ourselves varies from person to person. So a lot of time we're looking, we go, these are the things that I want, and we're trying to go after those things, trying to grab that stuff for ourselves. You know, it may look different for different people, even if they're after the same thing. But we're not thinking a whole lot, I don't think, about where our wants are going to take us if, if we let them. You know, if we let our, our wants just run wild and, and di- dictate our life, like where would it take us? You know, some people go to extreme lengths to get what they want. Some people go to, to extreme lengths to find satisfaction of those desires. And they have this like, this stuff, they're just trying so hard to, to find these things that they want and they just keep coming up short of where they hoped they would get chasing after the, this stuff. And I think like, is there really any hope that we're going to be satisfied? We all know what it's like to want. Now we're thinking a little bit about what it is that's really making me want the things that I want. But is there any hope of us being satisfied in those wants? And I genuinely believe that the only way you're going to find satisfaction for the desires that are in your heart, the real deep down ones, the only way you're going to find true satisfaction is to know the shepherd. Only those who belong to the good shepherd are not going to lack anything. Until then, or outside of that, it's just a chasing after the wind. Solomon had this to say in Ecclesiastes 1.14. Okay, Solomon, wisest man who ever lived. He said, I've seen everything that's done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. It's like playing Marco Polo when no one's in the pool with you. You ever done that before? Like been at a party and they're like, oh, Marco Polo. Like, I mean, surely you don't do this now, but when you were a kid. Okay, if you're playing Marco Polo with your friends in the pool now, I don't, I mean, maybe, I don't know, it could be you. But it's like, you remember as a kid, like, I don't know if this prank ever got pulled on you, but everybody gets out of the pool and they're, you're just, they're saying polo and you can't ever find them because they're not in the pool. That's kind of like what chasing after these desires outside of knowing the good shepherd is like. You know, James tells us in his, uh, in his letter, James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So if you're not in the pool, figuratively speaking, or in the pasture, or fill in, the, fill in the blank with whatever mental image you want to get here. If you're not in there with, with Jesus and in a relationship with him, then no matter what it is that you desire, you're not going to find it. Not the absolute fulfillment of it. If your situation's anything other than the Lord is my shepherd, then you're going to stay in want. I really believe that's true. And some of y'all in here, and you're like, I know the shepherd. Like, I know him. I got saved when I was seven, or I got saved last year. And I know I've got a relationship with Jesus, and I know I'm saved, but man, I still have these wants. Like, what's up with that? 
there's still aspects of your life that aren't where you want them to be. There's still unmet desires and hopes that you have that haven't gone fulfilled yet. You're like, well, you know, how does that work? And maybe you're pursuing satisfaction um, and you don't quite understand why you're not getting what you want. And maybe even you're pursuing good things, things that you know are good, and, and trying to pray about it and asking God to, to give you some of these desires of your heart. And you're still kind of coming up short. And I feel like some of what we're going to talk about tonight is going to be able to hit you as well. But then on the other side of the coin, it may be that you know the Lord and you are pursuing those desires in your heart, the desires, the things that you want, but you're pursuing them in sinful ways. And maybe tonight you need to to understand that, that you may be chasing after things right now as a Christian, as a believer, and you're not able to, to reach that satisfaction. It's because you're pursuing the desires of your heart in ways that are sinful and apart from God, and you're not taking these things to him. You don't even really understand why you're living the way that you are, <clears throat> but you need to figure it out, right? And so you're in this place of, of sort of being stagnant in your faith, and I, I hope that tonight is going to speak some truth to all those places. If you don't know that you belong to the shepherd, I hope this message speaks to you. And if, if you do know that you belong to the shepherd, but you're not living for him, I hope this speaks to you. And I, I really think it will. And if you do know the shepherd and you're walking with him and there's still unmet desires, you know, I hope this also brings some truth to you because we all need to know how it is that he has become our shepherd or can be our shepherd. And we all need to know how his being our shepherd can and should change everything for us. So I don't have any points tonight. If you came in here ready to write down points, I'm very sorry. You're just gonna have to like pick up on what I'm stepping in like along the way. Um, so my, my apologies, it won't always be that way. We'll kind of have like a, a stream of thought here of like, going from talking about the shepherd and then talking about wants. So how do we get to the place where we know that the Lord is my shepherd? And spoiler alert, this is going to be the gospel. Okay, I'm talking about the gospel. Some of you have heard this a lot of times. You're like, hey, I may not need to hear this again. I promise you, you do. How do we know that the Lord is my shepherd? For one, we need to know who the Lord is. Okay, right here in this text, Psalm 23.1, the Lord is Yahweh. That's the word for the Lord here. It's Yahweh, which means, quite literally, I am. He's the one through whom everything exists, and the one for whom everything exists. All being, everything that is, exists because he exists. You remove Yahweh from the picture, you remove everything from the picture. Nothing exists apart from him. He is God. This is who he is, and he's holy. And he's set apart. He's in a category by himself. There's no one like him. This is Yahweh. And this is the one who either is or could be our shepherd. Yahweh, the one who upholds all being. This is the Yahweh. This Yahweh God is who David felt like was his shepherd. So David's writing this song and he's saying, this psalm and he's saying, look, the Lord, the one who created all things, the one who upholds everything by his own being, that's the one who is my shepherd. That's what David is saying. And, and look, David knew what it meant to be a shepherd because he had been one. I don't know if you remember that about his history, but he had spent a lot of years being a shepherd, so he knows what it's like to deal with sheep. And so when he looks and says that the Lord is my, my shepherd, he knew about the stubbornness of sheep and the foolishness of sheep and the inherent helplessness of sheep. He knew about how if they're left on their own, they will wander off, how they like to follow the pack and how It's difficult to provide for them and to protect them. And he said, yeah, you know what? That's who Yahweh is to me. 
I'm the sheep in this scenario, and Yahweh is the one who knows me and knows how to take care of me. And the one thing that we've got to be able to admit, if we're going to say the same thing, is that we're going to have to admit that we too are like sheep before God. We've got to admit that we are the stubborn ones, the foolish ones, the ones that would be lost by ourselves, the ones that would just follow the pack if, if it were up to us, the ones that, you know, in so many ways are helpless in need of rescue and need provision and need protection. You know, there was a video that I saw on social media, maybe you've seen it before, a little while back that accurately describes the neediness of a sheep, and I'd like for us to, to check that out. I think it's going to work. Um, it's only nine seconds, so... Okay. Yep, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep playing on a loop because I didn't know how to turn the loop part off. But anyway, the, this is the neediness of a sheep, okay? I don't know if you've ever seen that before. But that's, that's what we're going to have to admit that we are before the Lord. That we need him to be God and we can't be God for ourselves. I can't handle life on my own. I can't do this on my own. I can't satisfy all my wants on my own. I need a shepherd. That's what we're going to have to be able to admit. We need to understand where we would stand on our own because, because of who he is and who we are. Not only is he God and we are not, but we also have this other tendency of rebelling against him and doing really ridiculous stuff. We have this tendency to sin against him and try to make gods out of ourselves, try to make gods out of all kinds of other created things, things that are upheld in their being only because God exists. And we try to worship and bow down to those things instead of him. It's no wonder you know, we just sang a song called Man of Sorrows. Man of Sorrows comes from a verse in Isaiah 53, okay? The whole idea of a man of sorrows. Three verses later in Isaiah 53, we get this in verse six. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's, that's what we have to know. We have to know who the Lord is and know where we would stand apart from him. That we would just go astray. But he never intended to leave us that way. It was always intent, his intent to bring us back to himself, and to be our shepherd. There's this prophecy in Ezekiel 34 where God gives uh, this hope of him coming to us as our shepherd. So it's Old Testament. He's pointing ahead really to Jesus being the good shepherd who is to come. But he says these things in Ezekiel 34 to the Israelites. It says uh, in verse 11 and 12, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, and when he uh, when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my own sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. He says, I'm going to seek them out. That's going to be me. I'm going to be the good shepherd. And let's not forget the second half of Isaiah 53.6. We only read the first half. Let's check out the second half of Isaiah 53.6. It says that all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For us straying like sheep, what has happened is that the Lord has laid on him our sin and our rebellion, our tendency to make gods of ourselves or gods of other created things. I don't think we realize what we're doing sometimes when we stray from him, when we sin. I don't think we realize how crazy it is for us. This is the God who created us, the God who sustains and upholds all things, and we're trying to run away from him, trying to live for ourselves as if we're the one that can satisfy our own desires when really it's only him, and we're just running from the one who loves us and cares for us and would gladly lead us as a good shepherd. We don't know what we're doing to ourselves. 
when we sin. I think sometimes we're just oblivious to this fact that there's so much beauty in him, so much love in him, so much care for us, so much intentionality in him, so much purpose for us. There's so much to him. He's the source of our life, and yet we run from him. And what does he do in response? What does he do when we run like sheep and go astray? Here's what he does. See Jesus' own words. John 10, 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is saying, and please don't miss this, that he is the one who has come. He is the good shepherd that was foretold. He is the one from, from Isaiah 53. Yahweh, the Lord, that David was talking about in Psalm 23, came here. Came here, took on flesh. Jesus didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't say, hey, Jesus, why don't you pretend to be God? Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus outright said that he was God. And a bunch of I am statements recorded in John's gospel testify that Jesus boldly de- declared himself Yahweh. He associated himself with this Lord that we're reading about in Psalm 23, that he is Yahweh. He basically said, I am Yahweh, and not only that, I'm going to be the fulfillment of the promise to be your shepherd. I'm come, I've come here to get you, to rescue you, and I've come to do it by laying my own life down for your sake. That's what he's saying. Look at Colossians 1, 15 through 20, what this says about Jesus. So Colossians 1, 15 through 20, it says, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be, be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He's Yahweh. Jesus is the Lord of Psalm 23, and he has come to be our good shepherd. And how did he do it? He went to the cross. He went to the cross to do this, to rescue us. And he defeated death there. And since then, he's been inviting us ever since to be his sheep. Will you just admit that you need me? That you, that I, that you need me as your shepherd? This is the one who's come, and, and that is my shepherd. And so what we got to do with that, we recognize who he is, we recognize where we would be without him, but we also need to actually receive him as our shepherd. We've got to receive the good, what the good shepherd has done for us to turn from whatever other course we were trying, whatever that sheep was trying to do in that video where he's running. I don't know where he thought he was going. We've got to give up our running after other things, trying to live for other things, and be able to admit, like, I, I want to submit myself to this shepherd, the one who loves me and cares for me enough to have done what he's done. And some of you would say, yeah, yeah, I've done that. He's my shepherd. So what's in this message for me? Well, the same gospel that I would tell to an unbeliever is the same gospel that I need to preach to myself every day. I need the same gospel that I believed to begin with. I need it every day. I've got to center back up on it every day because I need it always in my mind if I'm going to continue to faithfully walk with the shepherd because I do still feel wants. I do still feel desires. And, and I, instead of looking for fulfillment of those things in myself or some other path that I need to go down, I need to remind myself every day 
of my shepherd and what he's done for me. Because if I can do that, if I can remind myself every day that I can walk faithfully with him, it's when you're reminded of what's been done for you that a, a natural sense of gratitude begins to stir up. We need to be reminded of these main things. Because <clears throat> this is at the core of who we are as Christians. That along the course of our lives, all kinds of things are going to happen. And sometimes our felt desires are going to scream so loud in our ears. So loud, run after me, go after do these things. Those things are going to happen to us and we can get sidetracked. But the moment we stop and we consider what he's done for me and who this shepherd is, <clears throat> then our perspective can zoom back out and we can see things more clearly. Can I tell you about some of my experience as a college freshman? Freshman year, I had what I'm going to call a season of difficulty. We're going to, we're going to call it that. Um, that's maybe a polite way of, of putting it. But I came out of high school thinking so much of myself. I really did. I thought I was the stuff. I was, I was what everybody needed, man. I was, I was it. I had, I had sensed a call to ministry in high school. And so I'm like, I'm going to Union. Because that's what you got to do. If you're called to ministry, you got to go to a, a Christian college and get an education like that. So, man, I, I came in with all these dreams about what God was going to use me for, you know, as if God needed me to, to fulfill his plans. Um, and, man, I'd, I'd been, like, smart at my high school. Okay, it was a, a somewhat middle-sized maybe public high school. So, I don't know. I thought a lot of myself. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm smart. I'm going to come in. I'm going to ace all these classes. It's going to be, I'm going to really uh, impress people. And not only that, I was like the youth group guy. Okay, you guys know the, know the type, the youth group guy, the guy that's like the, the one that the youth pastor always asks to do stuff because, you know, oh, he's like, he's the top-notch one in our youth group. And I was like, I led worship for my youth group and all this stuff. And I really thought a lot of myself. I was that go-to guy, the, the good guy. And man, I, I loved trying to uphold that reputation. But I kind of lost myself a little bit um, along the way, first semester. <clears throat> I got into a dating relationship right before coming to Union, which is where I went to college. And it wasn't really a, a good relationship for either one of us, the one that either one of us needed to be at the time, be in at the time. And, and so, you know, that was going on. It, my roommates and I were really dumb. We loved to prank people, and we just, we like lived for it. We lived to prank people. So, man, I, I would come back from class and just like be thinking about pranks that I was going to do. It just like so dumb. My, I was just so off, and I allowed myself really through this whole time. I, I would look around at other people, and I would see other people who had it more together than me. I thought I had it together. Coming in, I'm going to Christian college. I'm going to be in the ministry. I'm the youth group guy, smart. I, I got it all together. And I would look around, and there were all these other people who had it more together than me. Maybe you've had that experience. You've been here five days. I don't know how long you've been here now, freshman. You look around, and you're like, man, it seems like they, they know what they're doing more than I do. They're smarter than I am. You know, they, they've got it together more than I, than I do. They, they seem to love Jesus more than I do. And, man, I just started doing this comparison thing and, and seeing all that these, these other people had going for them, and I just, like, shrunk back into myself. And I fell into this place of, like, spiritual complacency, and I really let myself slip, like, slip into some, some like, sin, sin patterns. And, and I just honestly got to the point where I, I didn't know who I was anymore. And over Christmas break, that relationship ended, which good for her because, you know, I was, I was, I don't know what I was, but praise the Lord that she broke up with me because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And, 
And so that, that relationship ended as soon as school started back. A tornado hit Union. Some of you guys have heard the, the tales, okay? I'm old enough to have lived through it, okay? I was my freshman year. And I lost all my stuff. Everything that I had that was my personal belongings, gone. And, like, everything that I had left was, like, the clothes on my back. And then they ended up putting us up here. This was a hotel at one point in time, and I lived right out there on the grass. is where there was hotel rooms. And I lived in this building uh, for the rest of freshman year. But kind of over those two weeks, man, in between the tornado and moving here, all this stuff's in the back of my mind, uh, just my own failures and, and weaknesses and all this stuff, and the guilt then the shame over just like letting myself like slip and fall off and I just wasn't who I wanted to be. And, and I did all this soul searching in those couple weeks between tornado and, and moving in in this building. And man, really over this semester, uh, over, that, over that semester, the second semester of freshman year, it was like the Lord was stripping me back, like pulling back, like all the things that I had clung to or that I, that I wanted or desired, you know, the relationship fell apart, all my stuff's gone. And I didn't know who I was. I, I didn't have all the clout and the reputation that I, that I had in high school. It's like all this stuff is pulled back from me. And in this place, in rooms that don't exist anymore, um, I really had to lean on Jesus to be enough for me. And he came through. Praise the Lord. I was able to, to find something in him, you know, that I couldn't find anywhere else. And I, I, fell, I fell hard back on Christ, and I found him to be right there, right where I needed him, ready to walk with me and shepherd me. He hadn't gone anywhere. I was the one who strayed, but, you know, like Jesus talked about, leaving the 99 to find the one, but like he came, came and found me and brought, brought me back. And, man, I, I only tell that. You know, I don't, I don't tell that because it's like, oh, such a woe is me story. Listen, tons of people have had worse things happen to me and uh, worse seasons of difficulty, if you will. You know, some of you have experienced worse. Some of you look back over your freshman year and you're like, you know, I, you know, you, maybe you can relate. But I want you to know that, that when I went through that season, in that moment, it was that I had to really lean on Jesus. And I found that I really did have everything that I needed in him. And my hope for you would be that you, you don't have to go through a season of difficulty to realize that you have everything you need in him. When it says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, it really does mean that there's nothing that you lack if you have Jesus. You know, we need to understand what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you get everything that you might want. Or at least in the way that you think you want it. You know, what I mean by that is that sometimes God, sometimes God fulfills deeper heart desires in ways that we couldn't have imagined. So we don't exactly get what we want but the deeper heart desire is something that the Lord can fulfill and satisfy in ways that he knows, ways that he understands that maybe we don't understand at the time. Like maybe I needed that season because of what I learned and grew out of that season. Like God allows us sometimes to, to not get what we want. You know, and, and he's working all these things together for our good. You may have heard Romans eight twenty eight before, that all things work together for good for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. But whose idea of good? Not ours. God's not looking and going, okay, well, what, is, what does this person want? What does this person think is good? I'm going to give that to them. And he knows what's actually good for them. And it brings that about in their lives. And you can believe and be confident in the fact that you really do 
lack nothing that you actually need. You lack nothing that you even actually desire if you knew how to desire and how to fulfill that desire. You lack nothing in him. He knows how to supply even what you most want, even if it's in ways that you maybe wouldn't have guessed he would satisfy. You may get frustrated at times. You may still want things and pray for things and feel like they're good reasons that you want the things that you want, and God just keeps answering no to your prayers. And in those moments, you're going to have to realize how much, how much do I love Jesus versus how much do I love what Jesus might be able to give me. I read um, a sermon from Charles Spurgeon on this exact same passage. He was a pastor from, I don't even know how long ago, a while. But one of the main points of the sermon was that Jesus is the provision. Jesus himself is the provision. If he's here, then I know that I have everything that I need. And yet at the same time, with his presence comes the benefit of real provision. He's not just going to give you everything that you want, but man, he can provide. He really can. He knows how to provide. You know, I love what Romans 8.32 says. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Man, if my shepherd laid down his life for me, if my shepherd laid down his life for me, if Yahweh God has put on flesh and come here and died for my sake, resurrected again, come back and invited me in, even though I have strayed time and time again, if that is true, then how can I not trust that he's going to give me everything that, that I really need? How could I possibly ever think that he's disinterested or unwilling to help? That's just not who he is. So if you're in here tonight and you're prone to worry, and there's a whole new set of worries out ahead for you because there's a whole new semester here, or for some of you, a whole new season of life, and maybe you're prone to worry about things, what I want you to know is that you can lean on the shepherd because there's nothing that you lack now and nothing that you're going to lack in the future if you are with him. And if you're in here tonight and you feel like you were targeted earlier when we started talking about wants and maybe some of those deeper heart desires, and you really came up with some stuff, and you're, and you're thinking about some things, I want you to know that you, it's okay to open your hands and just say, okay, it's all open before you. All my wants, all my desires, I'm going to be honest with them with you, Lord, and I'm going to trust that you can provide. You can look to the shepherd. You can lean on the shepherd and let him lead you. Let him satisfy you with his presence and with his provision, however he chooses to give it. And those wants that you have, those things that you may be even clinging to, the things that you even have right now that you, you're so happy that you have, that you would, you would want to cling to and would never want to give up to the Lord, you're going to have to just be willing to open your hands and trust that if everything falls away but Jesus, you'll still have everything you need. That if you were to lose every single thing, that you would still have everything you want and need in him. And I'm not asking you to give up all your dreams and all your pursuits. I'm not asking you to never desire anything again. I think what I'm saying to you is we need to get really serious about the question, why do I want what I want? And where am I looking for fulfillment? Like, What am I looking to? And if it's not the Lord, then I think we're missing something. I think we're never going to quite find what it is that we're looking for. There's a lot of freedom in letting go of unhealthy want and resting in Christ. You know, one area where I really see this applying is our identity. I think we all struggle of trying to figure out, like, who we are, how other people view us, 
maybe who we want to be. We all struggle with those things. A lot of us look at ourselves and can't help but see all the failures. Can't help but see all the deficiencies or all the weaknesses, all the things that we don't like about ourselves. And we focus on those things, and that becomes in our own mind who our, what our identity is. But I want you to know that if you are in Christ, that this verse from tonight, that is your identity. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's your identity. That's who you are at your core. If you want to translate that into something that you might be more likely to say to yourself, you could say this, I belong to Jesus, so there's not a thing that I lack. I belong to Jesus, so there's not a thing that I lack. Because really, there's only two identities out there. I think the world is like, we've got we to find ourselves, we've got to find our own identity. But there's really only two identities in my mind. The one that I just said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or the alternative, walking in this life shepherdless and just hoping for the best. If you fit into that second category of not knowing the shepherd, just flowing through life trying to hope for the best, you don't have to stay there. Because of what Jesus has done, you could, you could pray right now in faith with the willingness to say, I'm not going to chase my own paths. I'm not going to try to fulfill my wants on my own, but I'm going to surrender myself to you. You can pray with that kind of faith and that kind of willingness right now, and you can ask for what Jesus has done on the cross to be applied to you. And I promise you, when you do that, he will save you. Don't hesitate to do that. Don't hesitate for a second to think that God won't show up and save. And for all of you who are in that first category, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and I know it. Why don't we just for the next few minutes just worship him?